welcome to the Big Black Clock Podcast. I'm Carl. Dimitri. I'm Joe Journey. Or Kevin for Remix. So, second episode of the year. Yeah, man. Everything's still going cool? So far, so far, so good. I think we got inspired the last episode we talked about the release of the Omega Speedmaster. Yes. Uh, new year, new Speedmaster, right? Uh, yep. Previous year was a new month, new limited re- edition. Yep. This year is new year, new uh, Speedmaster. Not a limited edition, though. Big win. No, Should I, be noted. I, I, I think they'll like, we'll have no limited edition for like 10 months. And after that, it's like five a year. <laughs> <laughs> what every two weeks? Bi-monthly, yeah. Bi-weekly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now, now they can redo all the previous limited edition again. <laughs> With the new movement. <laughs> well, there's a new bracelet, guys. The bracelet. Yeah, new they movement. have to make all the new, uh, uh, the sa- all the limited versions with the new bracelet. So, Look as you Apollo probably one. see on the title, space episode this week. Um, we want to talk about all the watches, uh, the timepieces that went to space, the moon, all those things. Where the that that also were involved in space exploration. Yeah, yeah. So the uh, humankind. Anything about target. space. Anything about space. Um, the big note that we have to take right now is we will build um, or do a special episode just for the uh, Speedmaster and Daytona. I think Dimitri should do that one. We'll, we'll figure it out sure. later on, but there are two big time pieces that have a lot of history, a lot of background. I Better think bring a Daytona. That's all I'm expecting. <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> so uh, we, so we, much pressure. <laughs> we, we really think that they should have their own episode, so we'll talk about all the other ones today. I, well, not all the other sure. ones. We just all picked a few. the <laughs> other ones. All the other ones that we prepared for. We, we picked some, and uh, uh, the thing is about space, you know... Yeah, what is it? What is the thing about space, Kevin? Tell us. <laughs> no, for me. Oh, for, for, me. Oh, for you, okay. I thought it was a lot of fun, because I tend to to really like marine watches, divers, marine chronometers. And I think it's because there is a certain level of the unknown when it comes to underwater exploration. I think it's a lot of fun. Um, uh-huh. But, you know, we're able to experience that. And when it comes to space, there's just something... I have a pool. <laughs> well, no, even if you go, no, you go scuba diving... Is, you there, can, is there a certain the, level of unknown uh, the, with space as well? But that's the point. That's what I'm did, trying to say. Did you ever scuba dive? I have many times. Yeah. Oh. Many, many times. <laughs> <Look at me. laughs> yeah um, okay. but, but so, unknown. The, the point is that when i was doing the research for this episode you know when you look at space it's there's something so i will say the word and i'm gonna use the word romantic uh you know as humans Aww. we're driven to we're trying to fuck everything no but look you've worked in like you haven't worked in automobiles but you worked in planes and trains and plane trains and yeah. automobiles. that's my next next that's, step that's your next job go work at gm but my last job will be <laughs> Working with Carl. Yeah. Oh, please don't. But uh, you know, there's chief some, janitor. There's something you always told me the when you supervisor. worked at Aveos with the, the airplanes. You said there's something. Aveos is uh, an Air Canada yeah. branch. It used right? to be, right? Used to be because they don't exist anymore. <laughs> I was working there. So I, I brought, used to I, work in the aerospace industry. I drove it well, into the ground. What do you, what do you, <laughs> God damn. <laughs> what, do you, what, what he told me is, you know, as humans, we're not meant to fly. We weren't meant to Who be. Who said that to you? You did. Did I say that? That's yeah. so cheesy. It's, but it, it was That's right. so and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> really? Wow. Oh, no young, shit. But young Dima was the worst. When you look at space exploration... The old Dima is pretty bad too. And yeah, it'll be out of reach for all of us unless, you know, uh, Elon Musk can get us to travel, you know, as tourists into space. Are you space. saying that space is out of reach? It is. Fuck. We push the boundaries. We discover new worlds. There's, It's just, there's this challenge, this exploration. It's, we go because we can, because we have to explore. We have okay, to discover. I know. But well, <laughs> there's something very interesting about it, and like because otherwise there's no purpose. Wow. Is okay. that, was that yeah. it? Cool. That was it. <laughs> cool point. 
you know but nothing matters and there's something so cool space. that with the the time pieces that they took with them in space and that were contributed to it space exploration is something that is so i find interesting and it's such a challenge to the human to humankind and and that's what makes it so cool and when you see why omega like how they made it into space why it it, it triggered this episode it's just a lot of fun and there's a lot of benefits to society and a lot of people say, why are we investing in, in space travel when we have other issues? It's like, because we need to, we, it's, it's important to human, to generations to come. A, a lot of, um, we also uh, need to find an abundant source of renewable energy. You, you're being very logical about it, but I'm talking about this like intangible desire to explore and like challenge yeah, the yeah. boundaries of what we know. Right? I, I'm, I'm always thinking in terms of ROI. <laughs> <laughs> What's damn. my ROI? What's the value proposition to this? So, okay. so uh, it's risk nice, check. nice risk check, risk, risk check. check. Um, I'll start space time. So I'm assuming that you guys fucking prepared and yes, and let's recall. Like I said, you said you do about space. He prepared the Serengeti. Yeah, it's the Serengeti. <laughs> the the animal migration. That's the migration of animals <laughs> the, in Africa. The water, water migration patterns. <laughs> well, uh, uh, I only have divers on my list. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, today for the episode, I'm wearing my uh, Bulova Moon Pilot. Lunar, lunar pilot, lunar pilot. It's same Sailor same. Moon, Sa- Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon, Sailor Moon. That's what I'm calling it because it's like there's like too many words on that name. Um, but yeah, is, it's is three words too many for you. Yes, it's a lot. Okay, um, I'm worrying because later on today I'm going to talk about it. Uh, I'm going to talk oh, about no. Apollo 15 and the lunar pilot from Bolova. Um, so don't need to really go over it right now. I'll go over it later on. You have the model number for that? Look, no, I don't. You, like, just, put, you just put them like on the spot. Yeah, no, I, uh, I never. Like, you, you don't I even know the model, model number of that watch. I, I don't even remember the names. Like, okay, what the fuck? Okay, okay. <laughs> just nope, just so defensive for our listeners out oh, there. So angry. Uh, let, I'm going to pull it up here real quick. He's wearing the uh, Bulova 96B251. Exactly what I was about to say. Yeah, you seriously. You just, you just just let him speak. So, yeah, I went to, to the moon with uh, Dave Scott on Apollo 15. Oh, the guy with two first names. Sounds yeah. pretty made up, eh? Very made up. Yeah. So, Kevin, are you wearing anything particular today? Anything yes. space related? Yes. Today I'm wearing, and I'm going to discuss it in uh, the in a little bit more at length. <sighs> I'm wearing the uh, Seiko Speed Timer, uh, also known as the Seiko Pogue. And why is it, it why is it called the Pogue? Because of uh, the that's the person's name who wore into space. Yeah. So Colonel his Colonel his first name William, or last William name? Pogue. Yep. Pogue Pogue. Yeah. Bill Pogue. Paul Bill Pogue. or William? I think it's William. I'm no, sure. William is Will and Will is Bill. So Bill Pogue. Oh, yeah, sure. Sure. Will, Colonel William Pogue, exactly. So, um, so he was assigned to the first U.S. space station in Skylab and he ended up uh, wearing this. But there's an interesting story behind this uh, timepiece. And um, yeah, that's uh, what I'm wearing right now. I'm wearing the Pogue. So the difference between this speed timer and the other ones that you'll see. I just Googled Pogue and it, it is, says Dr. Mark Pogue in Ottawa. Nope. He's an optometrist. Yeah, that's not it. Different, different, <laughs> yeah, different, different Pogue. Okay, sorry. So this is the one with the uh, the yellow down. The reference is the 6139-6005. So it's the North American release. Uh, I don't have the one that says uh, uh, the water resistance of 70 meters. That is... Um, wow, you have 70 meters? No, this one doesn't. It's a lot more than my uh, Speedmaster. Yeah. Um, so uh, I really like it. I have it on a um, like a leather band. I took it off the, the steel bracelet and uh, it's great. Yeah. It's a beautiful watch. What about you, uh, Dimitri? Um, wow, it's the first time you call me by my name. <laughs> Face. <laughs> oh, okay. Wow. So... Uh, this is a Space Watch episode, so I've uh, decided 
to wear one of my uh, three watches that I own, <laughs> and uh, I'm wearing my Speedmaster. I'm wearing my Speed. There's there's been a, a, a let's say an update to the the basic the baseline of the Hesolite uh, Speedmasters. They have we we discussed that in the previous episode. They just changed it. They just changed the movement. So the one that I have is the that the the version that existed between. I can't remember, maybe mid-2010s to 2020. Mm-hmm. Uh, my version is the last version that doesn't have the coaxial uh, mm-hmm. movement. Uh, so it's, let's say, the last, tr- uh, most recent true-to-form version of the Speedmaster. I have the Hesolite, the basic uh, um, watch with no exhibition case back. Uh, I think it's super fitting uh, with the topic that we have today. And uh, for many years, they didn't want to update that it's like they kind of gave in but they didn't want to because it was their last watch to be updated from like that technical perspective because it has such a like um, they had the three two one movement then they had the 18 eight six one then they had the 1861 which is what i have in my watch but the changes that they were making to those movements are very very cosmetic so it it really is the movement that existed for 60 years well 50 50 years now it's old tech um that's what makes it value cool um, so we have multiple categories today. I think uh, Dima is going to even go into back in his home country later on. But um, before all that, I think Kevin has a list with... Uh, you like lists, eh, Kevin? Love them. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's like a potpourri, like a bunch of different watches that made it to space. Well, the ones that I wanted to were just maybe a, some that were a little under the radar. And uh, they made it to to space. And um, I think they just need a little shout out when I want to mention them. The first one I had here is the Gerlach Cosmonauta. A reissue of the Unitro Worrell, uh, based on the Poris, uh, Polish exploration of, of, or Polish cosmonaut, Miroslav Hermanzuski. In 1978, the Soviet Union was uh, stagnating. There was infighting between the, um, beginning to build between the Soviet-aligned Warsaw Pact states, especially Poland. So to try to fix things, the Soviet launched this intercosmos program. They sent cosmonauts from other nations into orbit uh, in what was called the Soyuz capitals. So 500 Polish applicants were considered. Uh, they decided on uh, Miroslav Hermanzuski. He was scheduled to on board um, the Soyuz 30, and he was with another person named Peter Klimek, which was also the first Belarusian uh, in space. So unlike me, Joe Cherney, um, the watch um, will remind you of a very cool, sleek, you know, futuristic. It has an LCD screen uh, like the Hamilton PSR, a Sanyo movement that wouldn't last more than a month. But that was okay because the mission was only Couple two weeks. Days, yeah. yeah. And the new issue, reissue that you can find from Gerlach uh, has an LED module, is module the LED001. Uh, you're looking at a 40 millimeter case, 20 millimeter lug width, some sapphire crystal, and 100 meters water resistance. What? <laughs> <laughs> Quartz LED module, 60 seconds a month at normal temperature, battery life of two years, and you can just change the battery out for CR2032. Very easy functions. You got a hours, minutes, seconds, a weekday and a date, 12 to 24 hour indication, and it comes out either steel or a black PVD. The other ones that I think that people, we don't talk about it because they're not too iconic, but they've been, they made it to the NASA approved flight list are the Casio G-Shocks, which you can actually see as divers as well. The DW5600, which you have. Um, I feel like the Casio G-Shocks, the basic one that I have, mm-hmm. can make it to any approved list if it wants to. That's right. It will pass any test. That's right. So actually, the, the, the reason why I bought that one, and again, I, I like the original, the no nothing, right? The bare bones yeah. original. 
I got the most basic G-Shock there is. One of the reasons is because that's the one that's in the Guinness Book of Records. The Guinness Book of Records for any watch, they actually run it over with a truck yeah. and it didn't break. Yeah, they put in like it, a, it's a, it's a stupid, ball and it's they a threw it off. It's a stupid record, but it exists. There's no other watch that that exists that they run over with a truck and it well, just so from a from a space perspective, the DW5600-E is in the Smithsonian Museum. There's a classic design has been around since the 80s. The DW5900 and the DW6900 are also in space. So although it has maybe less of a romantic history, you're talking about watches that are on the NASA-proof flight list and that made it to space. And then lastly, I wanted to talk about really quickly uh, the Fiat Space Master, which is the Chinese Is it related the to the, 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 the car company, Fiat? Fiat, F-I-Y-T-A. It's the Space Master. Okay. So later than the US and the USSR, in 2008, there was a Taiko knot, uh, an ex-fighter pilot, Yang Yang, spent 15 minutes outside the Senju 7 spacecraft uh, above Earth. So uh, he went to retrieve some stuff. He waved the Chinese flag and he had a manually wound chronograph. This watch had a 54 millimeter case, a rotating titanium bezel and had special markers because it would track intervals of about eight hours, which was the amount of time that you could live in there. Uh, it was called a Facian EVA spacesuit, 45 hour power reserve, 80 degrees to minus 80 degrees Celsius, 600 Gauss, anti-magnetism, shock resistance, anti-vibration, Water resistance of uh, 50 meters. Uh, but that's not a big concern in space, is it, Dimitri? Uh, not, not that I'm told. That it you're is, told. Uh, it, it, screw down crown. Is. And what's interesting about the screw down crown and this one I'm mentioning is because it atypically it screws counterclockwise. So you, you, and that was to prevent accidental loosening. So yeah. to loosen it would go the other way. There were about 699 pieces that were made at 44 millimeters. Uh, for the public, and they were about two grand. So these are some interesting contributions to space that are were out there that were a little under yeah. the radar that Qu should be considered. Quick side note: When I was doing my research for my uh, the Bilova later on, I was looking at all the watches that make it to space, and right now. Uh, there's like no really regulation. The watches are considered personal items. So there's a lot of watches that make it to space right now, even right. if they're not on the flight list of NASA, right? Mm -hmm. Because they're personal items. And uh, there's like the Daytona, and someone brought a Breitling. Yeah, the Breitling. Uh, and the Breitling is Breitling the only watch who didn't survive the mission. Yeah. Because it had no water resistance. Oh. So it went to space. The moisture in the cabin. It went no? to space. It did the whole mission on the way back down. They always land into the sea. And it broke into the sea. So when the uh, astronaut uh, evacuated the, the like shuttle, it got wet and it broke, but it was still inside the mission time frame. So it didn't survive the mission. <laughs> <laughs> Re-entry, but no, the splash landing. Right, so yeah, it's the only watch that didn't survive the mission oh, was a Breitling Navy timer. Uh, uh, and because of water, but back at, on Earth. There you go. So those are my um, under-the-radar potpourri contributions. Cool. Nice. Um, so... Dima, we we're talking about space. Your own country kind of like did everything besides go to the moon on the race uh, against the U.S. Did I bring any watches along during the... My my country did a lot of stuff, yeah. <laughs> they did a lot of Not stuff. Not all of them are very good things, but they did a lot of things. <laughs> they, they still keep doing things. Yeah. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start it off uh, by talking about the Soviet, um, let's say, uh, impact on the on the, on the watch history and and the space exploration specifically i will start with the the watches that were used by the first people to go to space if i'm sure every, it, it's super popularized and i'm sure everybody knows that the first man on the moon was neil armstrong 
he landed there in 1969 and he, and he was wearing a Speedmaster. Yep. Um, the Apollo 11 mission that they made a movie about with Tom Hanks also was using a Speedmaster and the Speedmaster was awarded a Snoopy. I've talked about it when we were talking about the, the 50th anniversary of the Speedmaster uh, uh, um, uh, Snoopy. And, and and as Carl mentioned, we will have a separate episode just about the Speedmasters and Daytonas because they do deserve a separate episode. Um, but before all that, because during the Cold War times, when there, there was a there was a race between the Soviet Union and the USA um, to go f- to be the first at everything, uh, space exploration was really big in the sixties. And they really, really were competing with each other to be the first ones to, to go to space, then to go to the moon, maybe to do a spacewalk outside. Uh, the, the first person to ever go to space, and uh, he's quite famous as well. His name is Yuri Gagarin. He's a Russian, Russian cosmonaut. They don't call him astronauts for some reason. They call him cosmonauts. He's the Russian cosmonaut that on April 12, 1961, was the first person ever to uh, be in space. If you think about it, though, to be honest, it, it is, to me, absolutely crazy. Think of, think of, the, think of the technology at that time, right? You have a guy, you have a young guy who is 25 years old who finished flight school. He did all the exercises. He's ready. He can take different, he could take different... Um, be a break. So we're back from a beer break. Uh, you were talking about uh, Yuri, Yuri, Gagarin, Yuri, Yuri Gagarin at 25 was years f- old, was uh, f- uh, out of the flight school. I, I think he was born in 1934. Um, in 1934, uh, in 1961, he was 25-26 he was, uh, uh, years old. Imagine this guy who went to flight school. He graduated. He did all the tests, all the exercises. He did different uh, different pressure, like all everything that you have to go through before you can become certified as a astronaut, right? But imagine, imagine, think of the technology at the time where the, the computer system that was used to put him in space is basically the same one as you have in your fitness tracker, right? It's, not a, it, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. The, the amount of power, right? The amount of calculations that it can, the processor, that the amount of calculation that the processor can, can go through. This guy literally signed up for a suicide mission. They said, hey, we'll put you in a metal box, we will seal it, attach a rocket to it, and then shoot you into space. Eh, hopefully you'll come back. Do you know if they did test runs before? Yes, they did. Or like they did, they did, they did, they did with animals. So those, the, the, it, the I will not be talking about it, but the the there are animals that they've used. The, they they call them Belka and Strelka. Those are animals that they've used, and they they launched them into space. They didn't come back, so they're probably not alive. No, no, yeah, I'm I'm pr- I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure. sure. Also, sixty years. Yeah. Past, um, they they did they they for sure did some tests. Like it's all super pre-calculated. But it just it just think of the think of the situation where somebody has nobody's ever done this before, and somebody tells you, "Hey, we will put you in this metal box. We'll seal it, put a rocket to it, and launch you into space that nobody has ever visited ever before." Like the mindset the that you frontier. have, the mindset you have to have is. I'm either coming back a superhero forever or I'm not coming back, right? Yeah. So that's what he did in 1961. 
they launched him into space and Carl, you have to say, you have to have... I, I just want, if people want to have a kind of an idea, I think a good movie to show the kind of stress or kind of how weird it was is First Man with... First Man. Ryan, Ryan Reynolds? No. Uh, uh, Gosling. Gosling. The other Canadian. The other one. Uh, I think it's a good movie to see how fucked up it was. Like, it, it is fucked yourself up. onto like a rocket. The soundtrack right. of that is... Like, good. It is it is messed up. And um, it's currently available on Netflix. Yep, just <laughs> just unpaid promotion right there. Just just Netflix. If you hear this, you know what to do. Did I'll give you my bank account. It's fine. You know where to you know where to send the money. Um, so on April 12, nineteen sixty one, he was launched into space. The overall mission time was about an hour. So he he Did spent just orbit, about an hour. Orbited Earth. He orbited Earth, I think, once, and then they came back. So it was like an hour. It was very short. Oh, okay. Uh, but, but but because of the because of the because of the race that they had between the states and and the uh, Soviet Union at that time, the first American man in space was only a couple of weeks later. Right. His mission was only 15 minutes long. So he just exited so, the. Um, they they literally they, they shot him up as high as they could and then they just went down. They didn't orbit anything. Coincidentally, he wasn't wearing any watches at all. <laughs> but Yuri Gagarin was wearing a watch. And that watch is, we will put it on Instagram. It's not the most, it's not the prettiest watch, but it's it's and, and the Soviet culture for watches is not doesn't really have a lot of quality to it. It just works. And it just works. It dies and comes back. They <laughs> fools you. So he 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 was issued basically a, a government a government issue. A pilot's watch. It wasn't a space watch. It didn't pass any tests. There's nothing to it. Well, the thing is, uh, all the space program came out of like air forces, right? The U.S. It was the air force who birthed the ex- NASA. It was right? extension of the military branch. So of that's the, why they're the mostly technically pilot watches. It was a it was a pilot watch, and the, the name of it it's called Sturmanske. In Russian, that is what did you call it? In Russian, that is a reference to a pilot. Okay. Um, it's a it, it's a it's a pilot term. Let's say it makes sense because if you're if you're going to be launched into space, uh, I guess one of the factors that impacts the watch is probably like gravitational force, like G forces, right? G forces, yeah. So it, it's it seemed for pilots, right? Yep. So it's like oh, if we're going to build a watch, it has to probably be good for one and good for the other, right? This watch was never mass produced. Uh, it is believed, and there are honestly there are a lot of different um, speculations as to the actual origin because. The problem is that this is the Soviet Union times. Soviet Union was extremely secretive about everything that they did during those yeah. times. So it's very hard to actually find real facts in history. There's a speculation that this watch was the watch that he it was received. Never released after like, it was never it was never mass produced. It was a military yeah. issue watch that was given to uh, pilots when they graduated the um, the flight school. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the watch that they think that he just it was his own personal watch that they think that he used when he went to space. Mm-hmm. After that, uh, they kind of reproduce that watch to give it to us, the, the, the Russian cosmonauts. Uh, there's not much to that watch, right? And I, 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 I'm I not going to go too far into the specs, but um, they, the, the original watches from the 60s, they, they, they still make them and they have like a modern version. It is a very, very basic... The original watch actually has a, a sort of an onion crown, which is pretty nice. But the watch itself, um, it's a 40 millimeter pilot's watch. It has a 38 power reserve. Um, it's a mechanical movement... Right, plus minus thirty seconds per day. Uh, Ten bar. Oh, more than the Speedmaster. It costs. It only costs about four hundred bucks. Yeah, four five. So it's 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 a really really cheap watch. There there are no specs. There's nothing right. 
So that's the watch that he used. It is still available. We'll put pictures on Instagram. I feel it's really like uh, Russian mentality. It works good. <laughs> it's like to the moon. Yeah. <laughs> to the moon. It's, it's it's straight to the point, right? There's no yeah, there's no in between. It's working. You better watch now. Is it like? Is it, the it, company? It is, the company is called. It's um. It's um. It's a polot. Polot. Which polot is a Russian word that translates into English as flight. Flight. Yeah. yeah really, that's yeah, that's yeah. really what it is. Mm-hmm. So they are the producers of movements. And they also make watches. They have a lineup of watches called Strumanskie, which is what uh, Yuri Gagarin used when he went to space. They also have a lineup that's called uh, Strela, which is another watch that I will talk about Does that a mean bit star? later. Strela means an arrow. Oh, okay. Sounds you like a Strela, which means a star. Um, so that's a that's a chronograph that they made because they bought the rights to a Valjou movement that was very very close to a speedmaster and they used to call it the russian speedmaster that's the one that's really really popular i'll talk about it in a sec but i i'll just finish the the the, the, the yuri gagarin movement, yeah the yuri gagarin uh, uh, flight so his flight la- lasted about an hour right and he was the first like, it, it's a it's an amazing title you you are the first man in space he w- was able to look at earth from outside mm-hmm. which is crazy he was closely followed because that was april 12 61 by alan shepard who is the American counterpart. He's the American man who was the first man in space on the U.S. side. Because of how close the race, the space race was, he was, he went, his mission was May 5th, 61. Like, not even a month, not even, not even a month after uh, Yuri Gagarin. But he wasn't actually wearing a watch. So there's no, not much of a history until Neil Armstrong and, uh, and Omega. Carl, you wanted to say something? Um, no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, I just wanted to do a, a couple of like notable mentions. Cool. The first woman in space is also a Russian uh, woman. Uh, her name is Valentina Tereshkova. She is still alive and she's a politician. She's she's quite old. She's like 85 years old right now. She's a politician. She's, but is she from Russia? She is Russian, yes. Yeah, but what country is she in right now? Russia. Okay. No, because she was Soviet. Maybe she was she's from a poli- one, of, no, no, she's, one of the countries. No, no, no. She's, she's a Russian politician okay. today in like Moscow. Uh, like, in I, I don't know if she, she does a lot of poli- politici, politicizing. Or pol- pol- yeah. like, she's very old. Like, uh, you, you can't really... Yeah. At, that, at that age, you, you should probably start retiring, right? <laughs> Looking at you, uh, God damn! God damn! I'll remove that from the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, if there's a huge beep there, you know why. Yeah. Um, so she went to space in 1963, uh, two years later. The main difference was that she didn't spend an hour in space. She spent three days. She orbited mm-hmm. the Earth 48 times. Yeah. It's crazy, right? And, uh, and um, uh, uh, another honorable mention, and I will talk a bit about the watch itself, is that Russia also has the record uh, for the first man to do the first spacewalk. Yeah, A spacewalk is when you actually exit your vehicle yep. and you are in open space in, the, right. in your yeah. astronaut suit. So so to be clear, the Russian had everything as first beside walking on the moon. Literally yes. everything else, they were first. Well, space-wise, yes. Yeah, yeah. So that, that's not like the, the space race, like they won everything. Like they got everything beside walking on the moon. Everything else, like Russia it. was first. Yeah, I'm sure we'll hear about it. The viewers will be like, no way. Or but no, the, 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 the biggest problem, and I think it's, it's quite unfortunate, is because Russia at that point was a Soviet Union and they, they wasn't the, it wasn't the market economy. If if the the Vostok or sorry if the Vostok, if the Polyot factory uh, was able to 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 benefit from that historical aspect, 
they would have been probably at least as big as Omega today. Mm-hmm. Because just just the notion of, of having the first watch in space ever. Yeah, if we just based on if what you just play on that, bring, like right? like Omega has built. Everything. And I gotta say, like Speedmaster probably has the craziest history of any watch you can think of. Well, yeah, some will say yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Some so. most. <laughs> there is if if they were able to 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 uh, uh, v- uh, benefit from that same thing in the Apollyot watch factory, it would have but been very didn't. similar. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. Mm-hmm. But they also didn't have a culture. Right. There was no. There was no uh, tender. To, to build a watch according to specs, so just a watch that some somebody wore, right? Yeah. And um, Russia also has that record for having the first man to do the spacewalk. Um, his name was um, he unfortunately died just recently, but it, you know all those guys they for some reason astronauts they live a very long life. They're strong unless they die in space, but it just I guess <laughs> health wise. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them live until like 90 years old, the right? best of the best. Yeah. Eh? You're talking Seriously. about, yeah. Like Very highly just, intelligent, they, highly physical. Uh, they live yeah, a long life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That guy was, the guy just died recently. Like Yuri Gagarin, unfortunately, he only, he died just seven years after uh, the, 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 the his mission. Because once he did his mission, he became a national hero, right? Obviously, he was the the man in the country. Mm-hmm. the The Soviet Union was very protective of him, so he didn't. They didn't want to send him to any other missions because there were there also were some accidents, and they they wanted to make sure he actually was a substitute to another astronaut on a mission. They they went off, and then they, the, the the ship exploded at uh, at launch, mm. and they were like that's when the Soviet Union was like, okay, we need to make sure we protect this guy because we need to make sure he survives. Yeah. Right, because he was about to substitute with the guy, but think well. Unfortunately for the other fortunately guy, fortunately for him, fortunately yeah. for him, unfortunately yeah. for the other guy, he mm-hmm. didn't. So Soviet Union decided to to pull him away from space missions, and but the guy, once you go to space, you can never really go back. So he's like, I I need to fly. So he went and finished because I apparently he didn't. Well, he he wasn't he was qualified for uh, air, space missions, but he wasn't qualified for flying regular airplanes. Yeah. So he qualified for flying planes. And he started to become a test pilot for That's military planes, and he crashed on his first flight oh, and yeah, died. Yeah, yeah, but like all. But the, they were testing planes. All the pilots for NASA, they were all uh, test pilots for the Air Force. Literally yeah. mm-hmm. all of them. He, right? he became a test pilot for an Air Force and died on his first flight uh, testing a, a new plane. Yeah, that's the thing. And, and uh, at, at the age of thirty-four, it's, it's in nineteen sixty-eight. It's high risk. Literally, like all the things you can test in life, being test pilot for planes is—I'm pretty sure it's one of the highest. Uh, Must rate. be. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so uh, unfortunately, that's what happened, right? And in 1965, uh, that other record, uh, the first man to do the spacewalk, his name was Alexei Leonov, and he wore another Polyot watch. And this time, this was a chronograph. And that was this is a more famous, uh, the more sought after uh, a watch in the in the Soviet history. It's called the Strela chronograph. Mm. Strela chronograph. Love that watch. Yeah. It is. It is a watch that. Um, it is a watch that uh, they've produced uh, by uh, purchasing, I believe, a movement from. A, uh, I think it was a Valjou or Le, is it a Lemania or Valjou? I gotta. I gotta confirm. But they. I think it was Lemania based on a Valjou. I, I think, think it was a, 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 they, they, uh, And then they stopped making that. Then they ended up. 
the movement ended up becoming obsolete. They weren't making them anymore. And if you could get one of those old chronographs with the original movement, the value was crazy for those watches. So um, I'm going to, I don't want to lie, but basically the Soviet Union, you know, we didn't have the technology that uh, the Western world had. So a lot of the things that, uh, that we have and the history is built upon purchasing technology from other countries. This was one of those examples where the Soviets, they, I guess they, they started to follow NASA in that sense and the tenders and the watches that uh, they were proposed to, to be used for space exploration. They have purchased, I, 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 I had it in my notes, but I, I couldn't find it. it. It was either a Valjoux or Limania equipment that they've purchased to, they, they purchased all the rights and they started to reproduce the same chronograph. They improved it a little bit to make it more robust. And this watch today, they call it the Soviet Speedmaster because it is ridiculously reliable. And it, it was the first watch in open space. It, it's a really good looking watch. It's a mechanical chronograph. Dimensions-wise and specs-wise, it's almost exactly the same as the Speedmaster at the time. Um, I have some pictures which I will post on Instagram. It's a, it's a 42 power reserve, 42 millimeter case. It has a mineral crystal, so it's it's, it's basically a Hasselite. Uh, it has a three bar water resistant. Uh-oh. So no, less the Speedmaster. Le- no, Speedmaster is five. So better than the Britling. <laughs> so you can wash your hands with the Speedmaster. <laughs> you can do that with the the Strela. You can still buy like a brand new version of it for about a thousand dollars. It's a, it's a bit more expensive, but it, it's it's very cheap for the watch that you're getting. So the movements they had the three hundred one seven that was introduced in fifty nine. It was a clone of the Venus model, which is what I was talking about, the column wheel chronograph. Um, then there was the 3133, which is, I think, what you were talking about. The Polja bought the closed protection line equipment uh, from Valjoux. So, yes. For their 7734. This is Valjoux? Okay. Yeah, the coulisse cam lever chronograph. So, uh, I, I got the notes here that I they've renamed it to a Poliot 3133, but right. they purchased the equipment from Valjoux. Yeah. They improved the movement, apparently, a little bit. They did. Um, it's a, Again, I will post... The, the pictures on the Instagram. It's a fantastic looking watch. It's a it's a manual chronograph with with gold indices and gold hands with the blue seconds hand and the blue um uh, the blue subdial the the blue hands on the subdials. Um, Quite a story behind the watch, huh? You can. It, it's it's it is there is a picture and I will also post on Instagram. There's actually there's an actual picture of Alexei Leonov doing uh, a spacewalk, and you can see the watch strapped on his on, on his suit, uh, suit. Mm-hmm. it is fantastic that's awesome. beautiful watch so that's uh that's my little uh that's my little uh, endeavor lesson. into uh yeah. into russian from, history from the uh, mother russia it is the home country the soviets yeah. it is quite, quite a contribution they had huh? it is a fantastic contribution a lot of first a lot of first uh, but, but this was the whole point right it's it's always yeah. to be the first at whatever they were doing uh vostoks are Vostoks are very easily available to the, let's say, international market. So like North Americans, uh, there are a bunch of shops like Meronome um, or there's an eBay store. I think it's 18 Moscow time something. That's that's an official distributor of Vostok watches. Vostok watches haven't been involved in space exploration. So you have to go for the the Poliot, uh, either Sturmansky or Strela. Unfortunately, 
these are less available to the Western world, so you kind of have to like learn Russian a little bit or use like a Google Translate to go to the website. Or call Dimitri. Yeah, we'll call Dimitri. Or call Dimitri, and Dimitri's going to get you that shit. <laughs> for for, for a, a slight commission. Commission. For, for a price. Just 200%. 200% commission. God damn. <laughs> um, yeah, they are... The Russian... The Russian watch history is interesting. It's it's a little bit, let's say, kind of like Seiko, as in if you search enough for vintage stuff, you can find any style you yeah. want. Mm-hmm. I have recently discovered um, a Russian um, a Vostok dress watch that looks exactly like a, like a Universal Geneve pole router, right? And I and I, I've asked the person to give me the, uh, the the reference number. He gave it to me, and I googled it. I couldn't even find it. <laughs> they make. So many different versions yeah. that it's almost impossible to even find yours. Yeah. So that's it. You can still buy a Sturmanski, not as pretty as a Speedmaster, but like the horological yeah. history, it's a mm. fantastic, yeah. fantastic watch. Like it has a, the, the regular Sturmanski that the Gagarin wore, it, it looks a lot nicer when it's vintage, right? Worn out. But the, the, the modern version you can buy has like a really ugly, I cream would say, dial and cream dial and like really greenish, ugly But there's other markings. There are other versions, but th- th- that's that's the one you want. The one that the the, the classic one has the, the the face of Gagarin at the, on the back, right? Yeah, that's the one you want. And uh, I also have a picture of um of a capsule that he was in in space. They still have it in a museum somewhere in Russia, very aerospace cool. museum. Very very cool. So that's my that's my venture into the the Soviet space cool. contribution. A, a, a lot of weight behind those watches in history, right? Yep. You don't pay much, but they bring you a lot of things to talk about. The, the problem, and I think that it's, it's very unfortunate, but during those times in Soviet history, and, and this still kind of translates a little bit into the, the modern times, that the Soviet um, manufacturing is not known for quality, unfortunately. But it works. They make, <laughs> they make a lot of stuff, but there's nothing that can add value, right? And that's the why price. the old watches are still so cheap. But it goes for yeah. the price, yeah, because the prices are not expensive right now. You're talking about five hundred dollars to get the first Yuri Gagarin watch in space. Yeah, but that they sh- they should have they should have made it available publicly because and I, I didn't even get into this, but there's a lot of there were a lot of controversy. Again, history is not as easily available during Soviet times. So a lot of the things that I a lot of the things that they think about this this watch are kind of guesswork. Like I was saying that um, that Gagarin had his own personal watch that he received when he graduated flight school. There's also another version that says that they took his watch because he wor- he wanted to wear it, and they have reworked it to make sure it doesn't break in space, right? So they yeah. added some different features. Maybe they replaced the glass. Maybe blah blah blah. Made the movement a bit more anti-magnetic. But this is not. There's no recorded knowledge of this this is just what they think that might Conjecture, have happened yeah. yeah so so is your research for all those Soviet watches is like a huge map like red wire everywhere you didn't <laughs> sleep for a week <laughs> <laughs> went crazy like ah, like who sent you yeah add the dots and uh, cool man so uh i'll go next and i have a watch that uh cheated his way to the moon it's a cool story though it's a nice story it's still uh um controversial people are not um saying all the same thing right now um, but yeah, so Bulova, um, in the second round uh, of admission for the tool for NASA for the Apollo space program, uh, they Apollo 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 Space. They offered a, a chrono to go against the Speedmaster who won the first round, and in the same batch they as the, uh, the Daytona uh, too. The Speedmaster the Daytona won. was in that batch too. Yeah, yeah so yeah. the Daytona the, the, the Speedmaster won all the rounds. So. 
the <laughs> the uh, the second round was Speedmaster against Daytona against Bulova. That was a prototype. Like it was a new watch, right? Daytona and Speedmaster that were already in production. Uh, Bulova wasn't. So uh, they didn't pass. So they didn't get the contract. They didn't lose it. it just they choose Speedmaster a second time. Can lose something you don't have. <laughs> like it just they didn't get selected, right? They didn't lose. They just didn't get it, I guess. Well, that's that's the definition of losing. Oh my god. Not getting the prize. <laughs> Not getting the prize is how you lose. So fast forward to uh, July 26, 1971. It's the Apollo 15 launch, uh, also known as the best Apollo mission. Oh, really? I'll, yeah. I'll explain why. I just say that, but I'll explain why. Okay, but you better do because... Um, Apollo 15 was the first... Uh, what? The <laughs> <laughs> Apollo 13. No, no, that one Apollo trouble, 11. Right? 11 is the, the first uh, man walking on the moon. Um, yeah, so Apollo 13 no, has Apollo, problems, right? Apollo yeah. 11 is the one with Tom Hanks. No, no Apollo 13. 13, dude. That's what I meant. Yeah. <laughs> because the, 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 the Russian numbers are slightly different. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the exactly. time zone change. Yeah. No, so <laughs> Apollo, you, you won't get it. The Apollo thing, yeah. 15 was the first J mission. Uh, so it was the first mission with um, emphasis on scientific research. It was the first mission that were comfortable enough to stay on the moon longer and do research. The first one were just testing the ground. So Apollo 11, Neil Armstrong stayed on the moon for 20 hours. Apollo 15 oh. stayed on the moon for three days. Oh, okay. Right. They set up camp. Exactly. So Apollo 15 is the first and only mission to use the uh, lunar rover. Mm. Right? There's a lot of firsts on Apollo 15. It was literally the first one that they stayed long. They use other equipment that just themselves with like shovels. Right? They, right. Like, they bring tools. They bring art. They, oh, they brought art, yeah. A bunch of stuff, right? Really uh, raised the value of what they're... <laughs> exactly, right? So... <laughs> um, Dave... Um, Dave Scott was the um, pilot for the uh, module who was going to land on the moon. And uh, for some reason, no one knows why, in his personal items, all, all astronauts have a personal item limit in weight to bring. Right. He brought the Boulevard prototype with him for some reason. Like, how he got it, no one really knows. Is it Boulevard who reached out to him, gave it to him? Or was it just sitting on a desk there Was it day? just sitting on a desk? But he loved it so much that he brought it with him on the moon as a personal item. Right, he still had his Speedmaster. Story said that the Earthlight popped out, so he used the Bulova to go out. That's what I was. That was the story I heard. Yeah, the, the Omega broke down on him, so he's like, "I'm gr I'm grabbing the Bulova prototype." Yeah, but didn't win the tender. As per what my research, both of those watch went to the moon. His purse is like tool uh, from NASA Speedmaster, and the Bulova was brought with him as a personal item. Mm -hmm. No one really knows why, but he did. But start reading into Dave Scott and Apollo 15, and there's a lot of not weird, but he was like a, a bad boy at NASA. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, you he heard was, that about uh, Buzz Aldrin, right? They were yeah, like, yeah. Uh, Buzz Aldrin always spoke out what he's, he, he was thinking. He was really um, Cartesian. Like, he, a, a plus B equals C linear, all the time, right? He didn't give a shit of emotion and stuff like that. But Dave Scott was the rock star. He didn't give a shit about NASA. He didn't give a shit about anything. He's like, I'm going to the moon because I want to. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Apollo 15, he brings the Bulova with him. Uh, he goes on the moon. And while he's on the moon, he's wearing that Bulova. And it's a prototype. It's the only one in existence. And he's like, I'm bringing that. That's mine. Watch, right? So while he's on the moon, he's the first man to um, drive the, uh, the rover. He's the first man to stay three days on the moon. Um, he's the first man to go against NASA protocol and bring other items that were not weighed in on the launch. Um, so... <laughs> 
a friend uh, of Dave Scott said, hey, bring those 300 letters to the moon. They're all stamped with NASA stamps, the name of the Apollo mission, and all signed by the astronaut of that mission. So Dave Scott, before launch, put all those 300 letters inside of his suit, illegally, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> Brung them to the moon. On the, Brung? On, bring it. Anyway, brought brought <laughs> them to the moon, and inside the capsule, he even took the time to switch them for his uh, launch suit to the space suit, so they could go on what the moon. About, what about him. his brunch suit? <laughs> so he, he, he brought. <laughs> I'm uh, back, baby. Uh, <laughs> no, you're not. <laughs> I never left. <laughs> you never left. I so wasn't even there. That so, is a regular. <laughs> so he, he brought his personal watch on the moon and 300 letters just so they can spacewalk with him. So he says his le- the, these letters made it to the moon. Yeah, and he brought them back in the idea of selling them. Oh, what a shit. <laughs> <laughs> so him and his friend, his idea was like, we can get $7,000 a letter. Wow. In 1971, right? Um, <laughs> so other thing that Dave Scott did first, um, he drove the rover around and before leaving, he, there's like a- the English car manufacturer? No, the lunar rover. Uh, okay. So he, before leaving, he put uh, there's there were a bunch of cameras on the rover. Uh, they were not planning on bringing back the rover, so he put the rover in front of the um, capsule before leaving, and so the cameras look at it. And he, uh, you probably saw the videos. He's the he's the astronaut who took an hammer and a feather to drop that on the moon to show everyone that Galileo was right in his theory that in vacuum everything dropped at the <laughs> same speed. Yeah, yeah. That's he's, when he's doing that. He's wearing the boulevard. Oh, oh, very so, nice. Yeah. So, oh, ooh, oh, oh, and and terminal <laughs> velocity. You say yeah. <laughs> terminal velocity. Yeah. So he he does that. He he, he brought um, brought um, illegal letters. He personal watch. Oh my God! Not the illegal letters. <laughs> he, he does the hammer and feather um, thing for everyone to see. And just before leaving. He dropped a statue with an aluminum plate with all the astronaut names that died on the space program. Uh, on the that's moon. cool. Inconceivable. Yeah. So he, and he you did. Were Boulevard, Dimitri. Not <laughs> so he did man. all those things as a first thing and kind of illegal too. So when he got back to um, us, <laughs> um, Earth. Yeah. Earth. NASA got um, noise of he, he, that he, he brought all those letters. So NASA literally mm-hmm. confiscated everything that he brought. The oh watch, God, yeah. the letters, everything. They was like, what the fuck are you doing? And because of that, it was planned to do other two other missions. And they canceled them? They pulled him out. Oh, because of that? Yep. Because he misbehaved. Yeah, and he was second crew on Apollo 11 and Apollo 13. Did he break like existing policies? Yeah, he brought 300 letters that they were not weight in for the lunch. Oh. He had it weighed to the shuttle without telling anyone. Yeah, that can cause a lot of problems up there, right? Yeah, right. So it messes up the calculations. So. Exactly. He, he was like, he, he was like the rock star. He didn't give a shit about anything. The thing is, he's super, that's criminal. It's almost a, criminal. It's such a terrible conversation. <laughs> like, oh, they brought through the that they like died on him. Yeah, like, I would like, be like, oh, what an asshole. Like, a, a rock <laughs> star. Like, rock star. A, so, a rock star the, the, damages himself. This guy is like almost criminal. Yeah, like, but he's damaging. Is, People he, around yeah, him, but the thing potentially. Is he, Don't be he, jealous, Dimitri. He, he, he sued NASA and the Air Force and won. Oh, yeah, but yeah. So he got what back was his the, letters and his watch. And how much does his watch sell for in uh, the, the watch sold um, in 2015 for uh, $1,600,025 USD. Um, and it's the only watch that ever went to space as a personal item that's that been sold. That is so much money for a shitty watch. 
Well, the Boulevard, the original one, the prototype was a manual watch too. It wasn't. Oh, wow. it's not quartz. The re-edition that I have that I talked about earlier, uh, that Boulevard did all the marketing about it, is quartz. Do you know if the the, the Boulevard Lunar Pilot that you have? was made separately or it was made to look like a speedmaster because there's like there's a lot of stuff that's very very similar right it's almost so, like a so they they were competing against speedmaster in daytona for nasa contract that probably already have a lot of specification down oh for sure 100% right? so they were, they have to be black and white right yeah they were working wooden so they spec. were yes okay so they were building it to spec pretty much because if you look at like the, the oh, daytona or they they're the same they're right? all similar watches so They've like it's never worded anywhere that they copied the Daytona or Speedmaster, but it's understood that they were. You have to have spec. a high sp- like a a spec. Yeah, yeah. Based, so uh, so it's understood that we're working with those specs, and um, yeah. So Apollo fifteen and Boulevard, all the marketing is we made it to the moon, <laughs> and behind the watch you can see the date, date, the mission, even the uh, coordinate of the launch pad, and everything. They like really lean into it. It's nuts. It's, I, I I love this watch. Yeah, and I, I'm a Speedmaster owner, and I fucking love that Boulevard Lunar Pilot. Yeah, it so, is a fantastic watch. It has it has an amazing horological history to it. Yeah, I, I I absolutely love that watch. So yeah, crazy story for a watch that meant made it to the moon and wasn't supposed to. Like they didn't get a contract, but some way someone got it to bring it, and it was the bad boy of the NASA program, pretty the, much the, the rock star, pretty much right. Um, yeah, so the, the um, rock star criminal. So I think it's nice. And side note, I was reading into it right now today that uh, there's no many, there's not watches that like are considered tool anymore for a spacecraft, anything that goes into space because they all have inboard equipment that does the work. Yeah. Right? So now the watches are considered... It's the same with divers. It's like, oh, this dive watch can do this, this, this. It's like I have, yeah. I have a, an oxygen gauge on I me. I have an I, Apple yeah. watch. I can just... Yeah. So, can, so, so but when you're diving, you're like, I have a gauge that does that. I have a gauge that does this. I have a gauge but, that does yeah. that. So... This was pre-digital, like internet times, right? Yeah. Think of think of today. Anywhere you go in a public place, there is always a display somewhere that always will show time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Imagine sixty years ago, no digital screens anywhere. Yeah. You have to rely on your watch. You don't have a phone in your pocket. You don't have you have no digital screens and anywhere in the mall. Literally, the only source of time is your wristwatch. Yeah. So. So yeah, so um, today watches are considered considered personal items, and they consider into the weight of the suit. So there's a bunch of watches that make it to space right now. But uh, are, the, are people allowed to bring whatever the watch they want? I think if it, Daytona's, Britling, a bunch of Casio, GMT Master uh, Twos made it. GMT Master Casios are very big in the space. Explorers. So I think when we're gonna is there like a limitation? Because like imagine, I mean, logically you should have a watch that doesn't shatter, right? So it doesn't yeah. shatter and you have glass shards yeah. floating everywhere in like... In, I, I'm in, guessing in spa- it's... In can't shatter sapphire. No, but I meant in th- like there should it, be some sort of a, like a basic criteria, But you get a right? titanium... I'm guessing there's... <laughs> I'll bring uh, Daniel Wellington. <laughs> I'm guessing there's... there's we'll um, that out. I'm guessing but not really. I want you to hear it, Daniel Wellington. <laughs> Jesus Christ. God damn. God damn. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm guessing there's still some uh, limitation, Shots right? Fired. And same thing that like, uh, they're all technically government employees, so they cannot have sponsorship. So they okay. bought the watch, but normally they sell it for a dollar because they work for the NASA program type right. of thing. I think when you're going to do the Speedmaster Daytona episode, uh, the third participant should talk about all those watches made through space without... Um, like having any contract and it's funny fun stuff I, so the bill of was in the 60s and they sold it in 2015 i'm sure in like 30 40 years all those watches that are right now in space their personal items they'll be sold in auctions too 
You know I what? don't think they'll have the same significance, though. No, but they'll still made it to space. Because, <laughs> because I think that there's, um, there's certain monumental occasions and what they wore. Like, there's a lot of people who've climbed Everest now. Uh, but the watch that, you know, Edmund Not everybody Hillary came and back, Tenzing though. Norgay. Some of them are still there. Yeah, exactly. But Tenzing Norgay and Edmund Hillary, they wore the, the Smith's watch expedition and the, the Rolex Ex- Oyster Perpetual, right? Yeah. The Explorer. Um, those watches are monumental, but not everyone who went to Everest because they wore a specific watch will. Yeah. Has that. There has to be some kind of milestone that accompanies it. I think for the same kind of value, yeah. this is a reason. Yeah. It was how we made it for Apollo 15. And <laughs> they cheated the there. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and, um, but yeah, I think that's, that's important when it comes to, yeah. to watchmaking. Talking about important stuff, another important brand that make it to space. Seiko. Seiko. The Asian part of space. Is there like an industry or f- domain where Seiko didn't make it? They literally were everywhere. They're everywhere. Space is one of those but things. But before we go to Seiko, I'm going to jump into Zen. Seiko. Wow. I'll jump into Zin first. Wow. Well, okay. Well, okay. Well, fine. Yeah. (laughs) So there was the Zin 140, the 142, the chronograph. So in 1985, there was a German astronaut named Reinhard Führer. Reinhard? Reinhard. Okay. So he purchased a 140S, a black one. He wore it to space as part of the Space Lab D1 mission. That mission was important um, for a number of reasons. The first is that it was the last successful mission of the space shuttle challenger um because as you guys probably know the next mission of the challenger kind of was successful it had some technical problems uh the second reason is that it marked the first time that an automatic chronograph was worn by an astronaut in space so sin got no small amount of credit uh a lot of people love that watch um but we found out that in 2007... It kind of looks like an Omega Speedmaster Mark too. But there's reasons why. They have different you know, yeah, the, the, the specifications yeah. that they need. Yeah. So in 2007, it came to light that William Command, Commander or Colonel William Pogue wore a non-approved Seiko Pogue or the 6139 chronograph during the Skylab 4 mission uh, 11 years earlier than this, uh, the German expedition. So I'll talk about that a little bit later about the Seiko Pogue. So regardless of that fact, though, this is in 140 or 142, it becomes one of the more desirable, say, space watches and collectible uh, that a lot of people ever wore. It was due to the fact that Zinn's time in space wasn't limited to this only mission. This this watch made it in the Mir mission in 92 as well, Columbia in 93, and they were flawless. They actually worked without any issues when they went up into space. So Sin produced this hell of a timepiece, and it's still accessible today. Uh, and because Zin is holding that title, that they were the first automatic chronograph in space, uh, until Seiko disproved it in 2007, um, it, a lot of people really wanted to, to, you can get a really, you know, a piece of history or a, a really successful space watch um, um, at your disposal, we'll say. So... Zinn, um, the mechanically speaking, the Zinn, it uses a large steel case. You can get in polish, matte black. It has a Lemania f- uh, 5012 movement, day-date register, central minutes chronograph. Uh, um, mechanical? Manually wound? Uh, it's automatic. Ah. And uh, so Zinn released recently the 140A, um, which is an automatic movement of the, Z- uh, the SZ01. It's based on the Zvalju 7750. 
um, and it's very similar to the Lamania 5100. So um, it takes visual cues of the classic example. You know, there's the polish or satin steel case, the same layout for the crown and pushers. And it features a secondary crown at the 10, so you can operate the bezel without using your hand. You use a crown to operate the bezel. Kind of like the, the Alpinist, right? Exactly. So it's an internal rotating bezel. Um, so this piece actually has a lot of functionality, and it does embrace uh, heritage. It is The most important part, what, what is the water resistance? The water resistance for this one, if I'm not mistaken, is... Uh, let me look at it here. I uh -oh, had it. Oh, somebody's water, not prepared. 100 meters. <laughs> Okay, wow. He's <laughs> like, shit. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll beep it out. True to Zen, true to Zen, I will say it is a tool watch. And you're looking at something between yeah. four and five, four to 6K uh, for this timepiece. Really beautiful. So, when I said what discredited this watch from its space, we'll say um, contribution, is that it had the reputation of being the first automatic chronograph worn by an astronaut on a space mission. But it turns out that the Seiko Pogue or the Speed Timer actually had that title. So in the 60s, uh, everyone was looking to really capitalize on the automatic watches. So in 69, uh, Seiko delivered by introducing what was the first automatic chronograph, the Seiko 6139, the Seiko Pogue. Um, the watch is often called the speed timer. Seiko printed the term speed timer on its chronograph for the Japanese market. So maybe if you got one that was in the North American market, you wouldn't have seen that. The, uh, it had some advanced features such as a 30-minute chronograph uh, register, day-date, a tachymeter scale. Um, and the lineup, it ended, uh, it ended in some time towards the end of the 70s. I think it was like 78. Uh, but you can still find versions now of this watch and you can still buy it. So this watch has two real big claims to fame and we talk about it with space uh, because it was the first chronograph worn into space but it also has another very big piece of this uh, of history behind it it's also the world's first automatic chronograph that's not old by a japanese seiko that is the seiko oh, okay sorry I didn't hear. it's the first chronograph in space and the first automatic chronograph Seiko really has, does have everything other than the Russian space adventures. <laughs> so there's still debate on who holds the claim for the first automatic chronograph. It boils down to which type of first you believe in. So in 69, there were big names competing. The first one, Zenith, who introduced their prototypes January 1969. They called their watch even the Zenith El Primero, the first in Spanish. The second was the watchmakers, and I have the other one, termed the Chronomatic Group, which was Hoyer, Breitling, and Hamilton Buren. They had the, um, the, the automatic chronograph that I have, the Monaco. Yeah. So the group laid to claim introducing the chronomatic prototypes in March 69. The thing is about them, they were the first to make it to the uh, patent office for their chronograph. So they go, no, we have it. We made it first to the patent office. <laughs> So somebody they go. They, we're they, we they were want, first. We were first at the patent office. They, they wanted paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> so they had the first. They had several models of uh, at the Basel Fair in April of '69, uh, which was more, uh, which was sooner than Zenith. And Zenith had a few, but they were they were they had fewer samples at the same event. And then Seiko lays the claim of being the first to start the serial production in May. They were producing them. So they the prototypes were in in March and stuff. But by May, they were already producing them. And the Japanese market. So by June, July, the Chronomatic Group, which was like the, the Hoyer and um, uh, Breitling and Hamilton, they were producing them. 
and then Zenus were released in October. So it's what do you define as first? The prototype, when it was produced, when you got to the patent office. There's all these different things. So Seiko really says, look, we were the first to get it into the market. So to them, they win. Uh, because they were there as March as 1969 and as early as February. It's unclear. But some of them in the Japanese market, they say that they got there as early as February. So to sum it up, Zenith may have the first to announce the development. But Hoyer, Breitling, and Hamilton were the first to release their automatic chronograph to radio markets. But when it comes to the serial production of the automatic chronograph, Seiko seems to have beaten them both. So aside from being the first automatic chronograph to achieve uh, the production, the Seiko 6139, the Pogue, was also the first automatic chronograph in space. They gave it to Zinn, the 140, which I just mentioned by German astronaut Richard Fuhrer during the Space, One, space Lab D1 mission in 85. But it was in 2007 when they actually saw pictures of a mission that Colonel Pogue wore a 6139-6002 of the 6005 reference during a NASA Skylab 4 mission, which took place in 73. Do you have the backstory for why he was wearing it? Yes, I do. The official watch, Dimitri, used for the Skylab 4 mission was the Omega Speedmaster Professional. <laughs> but it was issued shortly after the actual launch. So... Colonel Pogue, during his pre-flight training, said, fuck that. <laughs> Look at his face, Dimitri. Fake and he news. And he brought, and he brought, fake news. And he brought the no. Seiko 6139. Yeah. His personal watch. Yeah, from PX at Ellington FFB Exchange. He utilized it more times for engine. He used it uh, to time news. engine burns Big during tech. the course of his training, which <laughs> lasted for more than six months. So because he was so familiar with this yeah, well-functioning Seiko 6139 he tucked it in his suit leg pocket we'll, we'll for be, the length we'll of the mission. Everything out. Everything you're saying, we'll leave it out. <laughs> and then he wore it on his left arm. Doesn't count. Alongside the NASA certified Omega Speedmaster. Yeah. Doesn't count. On his other arm. So as Colonel Pogue had been using the 6002 during the course of his training, he didn't even get official approval from NASA to carry it with him in space. Illegal. Doesn't count. Illegal. Doesn't count. <laughs> Erroneous. Erroneous. <laughs> I, I, was reading, I, I was reading an article about that and it made me laugh because in like in the article... Is they, it the reading part that makes you laugh or yes, the article? No. They quoted... Uh, salty. They quoted Pogue saying that he hated the Speedmaster. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that watch was so like not for me, like I didn't like it in any way, so I had we'll to be my out. own uh, my own Seiko. We have a lot of things to beep out. In this. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it. Yeah. Cool thing I'm doing post prog. <laughs> so the um, mm. the astronaut, Colonel Pogue, he didn't he did not wear the piece during the EVA spacewalk. Uh, the six thousand two came back with Colonel Pogue on seventy four when the mission ended. And that was discovered. Uh, the yellow dial, the yellow indicator ring, uh, and it's called the Pogue because of that. I thought it was because of his last it's name. It's nickname, right? The Pogue? The Pogue. But it's a 6139. It's William Pogue. That's 50 meters of water resistant, just like the Speedmaster. Wow. I know. 41 millimeter fancy, diameter. Fancy. 42 millimeter. 19 millimeter lug width, which is shitty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but it's, but it's so popular, yeah. you can get whatever you want, right? Uh, 6139, uh, day date complication, 30 minute register. Um, there's the dial in yellow and in blue. The one thing about this one is that when you get it, you should leave the chronograph running because apparently it's one of those, the spring has to be depressed because when you keep it locked, the spring is pressed. Excuse me? It's always under tension. It's always under tension. So they go, if you no should normally just leave it running the chronograph. Is that the same for the Speedmaster or no? 
Uh, no, it's not the same. No, this one, uh, the, it, it doesn't have a depressed actually. Because I'll be honest, I haven't been using the, the, chronograph? the chronograph function. No, you'll be, you should lot. be fine. You should be fine. This one, really, you should keep it running. Um, and the last thing, if ever you're interested in this, there is a website and you can just look it up, right? Seiko Pogue Spring Bar, and you will get everything about the, the 6139, every history. But really, it, it doesn't get into what I discussed here, but it gets into the details of every single version between the 6001, the 6005, which one was developed in which country, what's the difference with the movements, how to treat it, where you can shop for it, what to look for. It's, it's really nice. And this watch is still very affordable. You can get under a thousand bucks in really good condition if you search properly. And uh, a little piece of history, not only with space, but the first automatic chronograph. There's so that's also the, a blue version, right? If yeah, I'm the mistaken. blue one. The yellow one is really the Pogue, they call the it. Yellow it's one the yellow well, one he wore. It's, it's yellow, one. but it's gold. It's like a no, gold, yeah. It, it's more yellow. It's, it's not really a natural yeah. gold. It's just a yellow. But I, I, I'm saying natural. I just think it's gold. You know, if you can get the, uh, the blue one as well. Definitely worth it. I, I like your version. I like yeah. the I like the gold version. It's a great, that's it's a, a that's really a cool watch. I, I I really love it and uh, couldn't be happier with it. But uh, definitely a, a, a accessible historical watch that's well, still out there. You would have been happier if it was a Speedmaster. <laughs> no, <laughs> he's going to bring that to the grave. Like Speedmaster is the best. No, no more questions. So we have one last brand to talk about, and they're more recent. Yeah. Uh, they're a bit more recent. They're not as historically significant because they were not there when. Uh, when the it was important. <laughs> when the first, when the first, when the first uh, cosmonauts or astronauts were uh, discovering space and going on the moon, uh, they are actually currently the official uh, watch that is issued to Roscosmos. Roscosmos is an equivalent of NASA. It's a, it's a, it's the Russian space agency. Yeah, the like name that sound bootleg. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, I mean, Ross Cosmos just means Russian on space. Yeah. That's what it is. Just one word. Same thing. Same Boot thing. Uh, bootleg. bootleg. Uh, the brand is Fortis. It's a Swiss brand that was uh, started in 1912, founded by Walter Voigt. Uh, I, I think that he is. Well, obviously, it is a German name, right? But it is a Swiss brand that was uh, uh, started in Gretchen. In Switzerland, they they have been around for quite a bit before they they got into the space game. They There's recently a, had financial problems, no? And they were rebought. You you're putting me on the spot here. Oh, okay, the, I'll check. But I, ahead, yeah. I have not prepared for to answer that question. Uh, a pass. Next question. <laughs> Um, yes, if there's no follow up question. Yeah, as long there, as there's no follow up questions. If there are no follow up questions, <laughs> the yes. answer is yes. <laughs> there's a very interesting. I, I, I did I did a little bit of a research historically, but I wanted to focus more on the space uh, ex, uh, the space uh, uh, exploration aspect. time. Um, there's a really interesting aspect about this watch. So Fortis actually, and this is interesting, it is the first. They were the ones that created the first automatic movement in the world in the world in the in world, the world. I, I just did the Jeremy Clarkson there right? didn't really? I really yeah. no I think there's a movie called in the world no but Jeremy no, but Clarkson, Jeremy, Jeremy Clarkson. Jeremy Clarkson. Yeah, I know Jeremy Clarkson is in the world in the world in the world so the there were world. other companies there were the uh, there were other companies that historically made yeah. clocks they made the first automatic, automatic movement. They made the first mass-produced automatic movement. Movement. Uh, uh, mass-produced. 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 Mm -hmm. Because before that, you had you had clocks that had automatic movements, but they were not easily available. This is the first wristwatch company that created 
They they they, so they, they, they they figured out the mass production aspect of it. Yes. Okay. They figured out how to make it mass produced, and, and that's a, that that was an interesting aspect. And this was this was in 1926, mm-hmm. right? Uh, just just 14 years after they they were discovered, they they started. That's the like, first wristwatch with an automatic rotor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they, they were. And, and it's an interesting, it's an interesting piece of their orology history. Carl, um, you had a question? Yeah, I was like, it's still like almost two decades after Henry Ford invited the like manufacturing process of like... Why are you talking about cars? <laughs> because the manufacturing process, it's... Gosh. But it was really... There's Abraham Louis okay. Pirelli okay, okay, is believed okay, to have invented the first automatic <laughs> movements in the 1770s, you know? Um but it's interesting because the, there's different definitions. So it's like one is like, oh, I invented a mechani- mechanical device that transfers movement of the wear into energy powering the watch, right? So it's interesting. And, and like there's different definitions. Oh, the first one that was the first winding movement, the first this, the first. So it's very cool. But yeah, keep going. Um, so there was a crazy space race in the 60s, right? For the first space. No launch. shit. <laughs> <laughs> what? what we were talking about. <laughs> oh, that's what I and and you know uh, there was a tender. A bunch of companies uh, submitted their proposals, and uh, a one very famous company won the contract you, with you, NASA. I, I, can I just forever? I just want to say something. You didn't even need to win that contract to fucking made it to the moon. No, but they did. <laughs> they, 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 because the other competitors failed. Yeah, but no, they didn't fail. Yes, they just, they, no, <laughs> they didn't pass it. But you didn't even need to pass it to go to the moon. Bulova went to the moon without even passing that. Uh, thing stop stop being, stop being so jealous <laughs> like if everyone's winning it's okay no listen, one got listen. it <laughs> i will let you touch my speedmaster <laughs> and by speedmaster you yeah, <laughs> so, you <could> <laughs> um so in 1962 the son of the uh, the founder of fortis he he was doing his uh, uh, he, he was doing his rounds in the states and he was marketing the watches that he makes, and he actually presented uh, a Fortis Spacematic to to a, a bunch of uh, astronauts in the Gemini space program. Gemini space program is the name for all the the, the uh, Apollo missions. It's the testing for Apollo missions. So it's a program that birthed the Apollo missions. They've already had their watches pre-selected, but he was pitching his Fortis. They didn't win it. But this was like maybe the first introduction of uh, Fortis space watches into the space missions. And I feel like Fortis was trying to get in the space game ever since then, right? And they were not able to do that in the 60s. Mm-hmm. But they, um, they, they've created, they, they've created a, a, a similar chronograph that you know, other companies have made. It was a very, a very utilitarian uh, black dial, white hands, mechanical movement, chronograph. Uh, it was a Lemania movement, fifty-one hundred. Great movements. They they didn't get there until nineteen ninety-two. So in nineteen ninety-two, after the fall of the Berlin Wall that we have mentioned to Carl before, it was way before you were born. I don't, I don't remember. It, it existed. It, it, like it's it's a real thing. It it it, it, it had it existed. I'll trust you on that. The, 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 there, there was a huge market opening up in uh, in the east, in Eastern Europe, right? So, Fortis, being in Switzerland, like, hey, we should go and explore Eastern Europe. 
there's a huge market potentially to sell your watches. And because Fortis had a bit of a history with space exploration, they they pushed really hard and uh, made um, made a contract with the Russian space agency. It's called Roscosmos. In 1992, they had a, a, a for the first time they had a, an artist commission a, a watch by Fortis that was actually given to uh, cosmonauts, and they call them cosmonauts in Russia, but astronauts in, in the states. They perform the same function. It's, it's stupid. <laughs> they it was the first entry of Fortis into the space game. There was a I, I think it's a Spanish, I think it's a Spanish. Actually, no, it's 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 a, it's a German it's a German artist Andorra who created a custom watch that they gave to the astronauts, and it was the first Fortis watch that was given to Russian cosmonauts. They 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 were wearing it, and there are a lot of pictures with that watch. It's a, it's a custom edition, limited. Uh, you so, can find it. That was 1992. So it took them like 30 years of pitching well, I mean, and trying. But they didn't do it for 30 years. They did it in the 60s, but then they didn't do anything until the 90s. But they good. always had a big... They but they always did, had but, a big... Um, but they had a thing for, for space. But they also had a big footprint with... Um, um, I don't want to say the the space... Um, uh, sorry, not space, but um, the Air Force, yeah. the military. Yeah. They had a not only an influence, Government but agencies. they had they had agencies or air, air uh, sorry Air Force agencies or pilot a- agencies that were wearing Fortis. They they produced. Very if you look at the if you look at Fortis's lineup, they mm. push that utilitarian uh, style, right? They they are purely it's a tool. It's a tool watch, right? So having that notch on your on your bed, right? The 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 space the belt. Notch on your bed. <laughs> I heard bed as well. Monkey's out of the bottle. <laughs> Pandora doesn't Pandora, go back Pandora in the box. Pandora doesn't go back in the box. <laughs> Listen, I'm still learning this language. It's my second language. I am Russian. English is difficult. Okay. Okay. I don't know. I, I don't know. Have to rub it in my face. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't know all the words. Okay. Just just most most all the same. most of the words. Jesus. So who's Jesus? <laughs> he doesn't know. It's an American God, I guess. I don't know. Um. So. 1992 was the first year that they had like a custom watch that was still not approved. 1994, um, 1994 was the first time that they had an official Fortis watch that was issued to cosmonauts, and it was it, it is it is still produced today. It's called the the Fortis, uh, uh, well official cosmonauts chronograph. It was the first time that that watch was seen in space and they were doing a space work they were doing a it's a it was a it was a docking i think mission to um on the mir station and mir by the way it's a russian word that is an ambiguous word because it it means two things depends on depends on the context it either means peace in the world or it means the world itself so it's a very what? cool name for a station what could you technically say mir mir Yes. Well, no, you can't. It'll be like you can't say it, but it will be incorrect. It was stupid. <laughs> you say the the world in peace world or whatever we do. Peace in the world. You can say mir peace uh, for the you, world. Mir mir. What's for mir v, miri? Like the, the Russians have. There's a structure to sentences, right? That's why they didn't he make it to the moon. Structure. That's why they didn't make it to the moon. The, yeah. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> Too busy we, fighting about mir versus mir. We <laughs> have. Maybe, maybe. We have Joe we have, Cherny. We have issues. <laughs> we are not perfect, but we accept it. So, 1994 was the first time when they had 
um, like an official Fortis watch in space uh, by the Russian Space Agency. Ever since then, the the Russian uh, Roscosmos certified the watch Fortis and is and is still today an official, just like the Omega Speedmaster, an official certified brand of a watch to give to cosmonauts. There are a few other interesting. Uh, they even, uh, if I'm not mistaken, they even have timepieces called the Cosmonaut, right? The co- uh, cosmonaut. Cosmonaut, yeah. right? Yeah. The 42 is yeah. very popular. So yeah. this was the, the classic Cosmonaut. And it kind of, I mean, listen, uh, because they all use the same tender. They, they build watches to look exactly the same. It looks extremely similar to an Omega Speedmaster, right? You have an aluminum uh, bezel with a black dial and white markings. And the, the only difference is that they made a, a, an orange second hand. Well, uh, the, the the chronograph hand, right? Looks good that watch, man. Brush case. Very. That's an, that's a classic Cosmonara. Yeah. It, it is still available today. Well, the original one was it's a Lemania 5100, 38 millimeters case, high beat 2880 uh, uh, B, uh, VPH movement, 48 hours power reserve. It's exactly like a Speedmaster, right. spec to spec, dimensioned wise as well. And the original Cosmonaut chronograph was used until 2003, and it was replaced with a new model in 2003. And that that new model is a very, very, it's 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 a very famous model. It's it's a lot more utilitarian looking. They the, they made a new case. It's called the B42. Um, it's the the official Cosmonaut chronograph that they're using today. Uh, it's not only. Um, it's uh, it's still today used, and they wear it as part of their official equipment. Uh, it's a lot more utilitarian. It kind of looks similar to what Zinn makes today. Uh, this is well. I know Fortis is involved in the AMD program. That's the Austrian um, Space Forum, which is happening between 2018 and 2028, and Fortis is their official. Um, supplier of watches and even if you go to watch buys right now you can find the the uh, fortis official cosmonaut amadi 18 um which is a uh, just a black pvd dlc quarter chronograph and this is nice this watch. is this is something that they're using right now in the austrian uh space uh, in the austrian um space um program uh, austria I, is going to space it looks like it. Well, they have a program. Okay. <laughs> they try. <laughs> it's fireworks. Um, so in, in 2003, they updated the original classic version. They made a, a, a case that's very popular today. It's called B52, B42. It's a mm-hmm. bit larger. It's a 44 millimeter case. Uh, it has a sapphire crystal, which is unusual for a space watch. Yeah? A little bit. Now? Yeah. It does have a sapphire crystal. But and it's an official... You think it's, it's, it's rare for a space watch now? I mean, to be honest, that you actually have to shatter a watch, right, for it to to, to, you for have to hit it to break. really, yeah. really hard. So yeah. you, you can probably break a Hesalite if you hit it really hard. So it's it's really it's a bit of a gimmicky thing. I feel every watch going to space is all like either these like sailcloth light straps or titanium because it's weight. Like you're talking about personal weight, right? So like make it as light as possible, have some functions, and it's a very utilitarian looking watch. Yeah. The one thing I gotta say is that it's a high bit movement, forty eight hour. And it has a 20 bar water resistance. Oh, boy. (laughs) Quick quick, uh, side note about the weight. Um, What do you think it costs in USD to uh, send one pound from uh, the ground to space? One billion. One pound. (laughs) 
One pound. It doesn't matter how much. You still have to have the rocket that sends it. You know, right? but like it, 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 40, you, $43 million. I would say $1 no, billion, one, one billion. pound, it's 10,000 USD. 10,000 USD. Oh, okay. So, and that considered the weight of the shuttle and the fuel. <laughs> okay, but but that but that's that's the, because if you had nothing else but that one pound, it's not going to cost you 10,000 USD, right? No, it's the it, whole weight of crew, the equipment. I think it's to fuel. consider that right. one pound in the yeah. equation As of part everything. of the other the things, right? Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, if you yeah. just want to send the one pound no, no. and nothing else, that's going to cost you a billion dollars. <laughs> yes, but I'm talking like per weight, right? I, so right. I know what you mean. I know what you mean, yeah. So when they calculate something to ship out, it's like, Every pound is $10,000 USD. And that's why SpaceX, yeah. is, SpaceX is really going forward, is uh, having multiple use, um, like launch uh, rockets. So if, you're, if, you, if you weigh 200 pounds, you're looking, it's like, I need $200,000 to be able to get my ass into space. Yeah. Uh. And, and SpaceX, with their reusable uh, rockets, launch rockets, they tend to drop that to like 500 bucks. That's their objectives. Uh, you, 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 there's still the original watch that um, uh, the Ralph Voigt, which is Walter Voigt's son, who was the founder, was trying to pitch uh, during the Gemini program. Uh, it's called the Spacematic. It kind of looks a bit more like um, uh, it looks a bit like the Strumansky, so it's more like a pilot's watch that yeah. he was pitching. Yeah. It's not really available today, but you can probably find like a vintage version. That's a cool, historically historically significant watch, and uh, obviously the original Cosmonauta. And that, that's what, that watch is still used. That brand is still an official supplier for the Russian uh, space mission, space uh, agency. Yeah, that's it. So Ford is a orologically significant brand. They, they, that they, they've really been there into. since like the start, pretty much. Pretty much. That's insane. And, and, and space exploration is just one thing that they do, right? They do, uh, they do, they do racing. They do, they do a lot of other stuff. And they focus a lot... And if you guys you guys go check out their website, they 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 they're very utilitarian. Uh, it reminds me a lot of Zinn. They focus a lot on, um, on uh, uh, like function, function. And I, I want to say like I want to try to draw a connection between uh, space and racing and uh, other types of like. Uh, it, it's a tool, right? You, you had to watch it's, it because it's a, it's a tool to extreme activity, yeah. extreme activities. Okay, man. Crazy thing, like for this, like for fifty years in the making of being um, all they're doing right now. So, if you want to reach us, you can reach us on the Instagram at Big Black Clock Official, Official, and on our Gmail at Big Black Clock Team. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I, I, one day I'm gonna remember all those things. Oh, it's tough. Will, you will. Oh man, uh, just <sighs> I'm doing post production. That's that's my part. Um, you sent me full nudes. That's the 2021 uh, resolution. Um, full nudes, eh? No dick pics. Full HD, nudes. HD dick pics. 4K full nudes. Dick uh, pics. Dick pics. Well, dick will be part of it. Yeah, dick will be part of it. But uh, full nudes. Lock wanna... it up, guys. Lock it up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you send money, uh, sponsorship, endorsements, and endorsements to uh, Dima. Job uh, opportunities. Yeah, and if you want to talk watches, you contact Kevin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He has the uh, bad end of the stick on this one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all getting fun stuff, yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you for listening. Uh, we'll s- But one see. thing, oh, guys, oh, if you... Um, oh, my God. Oh, yeah, but... Fuck. Oh, my God. Okay, but one thing okay, there, guys, okay, if we missed any Space Watches, please send it to us. Let us we, know we which ones we missed. all of them. Yeah. <laughs> let us know which ones you missed. If you enjoyed it, let us know. If there's any watches you want to talk about, you want us to talk about, let us know as well. Send it to us. Bye. <laughs> Continue to be safe out there, guys. Uh, joy. Survive. 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 Be good to one another. Enjoy watches and wear them in good health. So, uh, goodbye, all of them.
on this note. Bye bye.